Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. I think it's interesting and not by accident that some five or six weeks ago was taking a little bit different direction than what I was planning for uh, mid-February into March uh, as far as things to share and was drawn to this, the, the importance of being unshakable and not being moved. And... Uh, then how appropriate it is, I look back on it, the messages that we, the things we've been studying together the last few weeks of how important it is for us not to be shaken easy, but to live with unshakable faith. Amen. So today, uh, up until the last part of the week, um, my intentions were to share about unshakable and building a strong family that cannot be shaken We'll get to that. But the very last part of the week, I've, I was drawn to, because of people's attention to this, and I'm not, going to, I'm not going to run this issue of this specific crisis in the ground. I just want to make a general statement and some things from the Word about crisis and how a believer should respond when a crisis comes. We need to know that. We don't need to know it when it happens. We need to know what we're going to do before it happens. Amen? So when we talk about uh, crisis, it actually comes from, it, it has some Latin connection, but it has an a origin, uh, in, is a Greek word that is K-R-I-S-I-S in our spelling, crisis, which literally means turning point. It means turning point. It's like a turning point in a disease, uh, either for good or for bad. It's this pivotal point. It's a decisive moment. Normally refers to something like a catastrophe or a calamity, emergency, some type of difficult and dangerous thing happening. We all know that there are different crises that we face in life, right? Some of them seem to be large and some of them not so large. And people face crisis natural uh, in nature as far as storms and earthquakes and various things like that. Face health crisis. Um, sicknesses, disease, financial crisis. People receive news of threatening sickness, bad report from the doctor. They get news of a serious or fatal accident. Uh, lose, maybe someone lose their job or something happens to their family, abandoned by a husband or wife or something happens to, to, one of the, to a child and immediately there's a crisis situation, a turning point. Something has happened that changed things dramatically in a very short time. So the question is, and what I want us to look at just for a few minutes this morning, is that, okay, as believers, and if you profess Christ as your Savior, you surrender your life to Him, you are a believer, a follower of Christ. So as a follower of Christ, how should we respond when these things happen? I think it's good for us to take a look at that. We have to ask ourselves, okay, when we get things like this that happen, an emergency, a sudden event, a sudden turning point, a crisis, what's our... What's, what's our instant response? What's, what's the feelings? What, what's your first feelings? What do you do at that point? And I heard someone say, and I think it's so true, that a crisis in your life 
simply reveals or amplifies what's already there. A crisis in your life simply reveals or amplifies what's already there. When crisis comes, some people, many people respond with emotionally with feelings and fear, anxiety, insecurity, and panic. But we don't need to respond on the basis of what, uh, we, we don't need to respond, respond on the basis of what we feel or how we feel. We need to respond on the basis of what we know and of who we know. Uh, Dutch Sheets is an author and a, a Christian leader, speaker, has been for a number of years now, I've read several of his books, and some of you have, a powerful man of prayer, kind of moves in the prophetic uh, sense today. And he received a, a, a word from the Lord back last year that 2020 would be could perhaps be the most important year in our lifetime. And he referred to it, he says, when I, when I heard that about 2020, I got the word hinge, that 2020 is a hinge year. And you think about a hinge on a door, the hinge allows it to swing one way or the other. And he says, 2020 is a hinge year where things can swing one way or they can swing the other. It can be for good or for bad. It can be up or down. It can be faith or fear. It can be the strengthening and blessing over our nation or it can be the weakening, pulling down of our nation. And he also went on to say that he believed, and this came a few months ago, this is what this is what he received, and one of these actually came through a dream, a legitimate dream. We realize dreams can be crazy, but there are people still receive dreams from the Lord that have a purpose. They never contradict the Word of God, but they can speak to situations. And this particular person uh, dreamed, and, and as the Word was for Dutch Sheets, and shared it with him, and and shared this was back before the beginning of this year and the word was that not only will 2020 be a hinge year but march will be a hinge month that march will be a pivotal point in this nation which i thought was extraordinary i mean we're months ago that march 2020 will be a pivot you can already see that the hinge swinging in the month of March. And I think it, it puts us, it, it draws our attention to the fact, okay, Lord, as we respond to you, as we respond in faith, as we call out to you in prayer, and as we make the right decisions, then we have something to say which way that door swings of what's going to happen. Now, We don't know exactly what's going to unfold over the next few months, but as we've already declared, there's no need to be in fear or panic over it. But whenever you face any kind of crisis, it is also a time of spiritual warfare. And that is a side of, basically, that, that's a side of approaching the Lord and, first of all, by, by praying. See, what you have to understand is when you see all this turmoil and chaos happening here in the physical and earth realm, 
that that's simply a, a picture of what's going on in the unseen world in the spiritual realm. And that may sound a little spooky or, or weird to some people, but it's true. There is a spirit realm that is just as real, in some cases we could say more real, than the physical realm. We, that's the realm that angels move in, except when they are, are revealed or manifested where you can see them. But there's spiritual warfare going on in heavenlies, in the high places, against the power of good and evil, okay? That is a fact. That's why war, uh, the warfare of prayer is so very important. It's because what you're seeing here happening in the earth is a mighty conflict or battle that's going on between good and evil, between life and death. And we're seeing it manifested here in the physical. Um, and I think a lot of it, a lot of what we're going through right now is basically an attempt by the enemy to pull this nation down. Now, this spread all over the world, but it's having some specific effects on this nation as far as its future uh, politically and leadership-wise. And we need to pray for breakthrough, for God's blessings in it, and for his will to be done to have the right people uh, in leadership and for the country to continue on the line that it has been in and restoring religious liberty and Christian freedoms and pro-life. Um, part of the reason we're in the trouble that we're in right now is because this nation has in many ways, not us, not everyone, but is in many ways by decisions made, this country has opened itself up to the attack of the enemy. Millions of, millions of babies. We can talk about 50 people that have lost their life maybe in, uh, at a particular time in a, in a virus and those people can be horrified over that, but don't seem to be concerned at all about the thousands that die every day in this country from abortion. So I want to point out four quick things here for you this morning as we walk out how believers should respond when you face a crisis. And they're very simple, but I think important. First of all, is a given. We would say this is a given. We should all know this. The first way to re respond is to pray. Pray. Part of that is spiritual warfare. The enemy's attacking, so pray. Uh, faith, not, uh, fear is a weapon of the enemy. We have to understand that. Satan uses fear. Fear is a weapon of the enemy. Faith is, is from God, and that's how we're to function in our lives. So it's important to pray for our leaders, pray for our nation, pray over the people's needs, things they're facing, the economy, the hardships, the different things that families are going through right now. There's so many different things that you can pray for specifically in name, and, and we should not take that lightly. It's important that each one of us pray. I mean, that we call out to the Lord concerning things like this, not just during this crisis, but whenever you may face any crisis, to pray and believe God for his help. Now, it's not a time for panic. It's a perfect time for praying, though. And the scripture says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, don't worry about anything. We all know this one. Problem is not in knowing or hearing it. The problem is following through and doing it, right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry. Be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's presence, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's his word. 
In James, we're told that the, the effectual, earnest prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much or produces wonderful results. So when you encounter a crisis or you encounter this bad news or something comes against you, then certainly our first response should not be wringing our hands or moving over into fear and panic. It should be looking to God to call upon him and to pray and to pray according to his word. Oh, if we could learn to respond quickly that way when we're attacked or when some type of calamity comes. The second thing is, if you have to face crisis, it's good for a believer to be prepared. It's important to prepare, to use wisdom, to not, to act and not react. A lot of what's going on today, even the empty shelves in the stores are, re, are, are reactionary. Now, there's practical preparedness, naturally. It's good to have a little extra food and things along. It should be something that's just the way we live, okay? That we're prepared to have some extra, not only to have in case of difficult times, but to have to share with others who do not have. So it's good to be physically prepared to, to wash. <laughs> Cleanliness is, is good. Uh, hand sanitizer is not a bad thing. It's good to make just basic common sense decisions to be prepared. Use caution when you're around others. If it has to do with a sickness or something, then, then be especially careful around people with pre-existing health issues. Here's what it boils down to. In being prepared, learn to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and use his wisdom, which is good common sense. But not only is it important to prepare physically with the things that we can do, natural things. You know, generators are good for when power goes out and food storage up to a point is, is okay without hoarding, I mean, those, and without moving over into fear. It's good to make natural preparations. But more important than natural preparations of any kind of spiritual preparation is are we prepared as believers? Are we prepared as Christians? Are we prepared from the spiritual standpoint when some calamity or sudden change takes place in our life? Are we prepared? You see, here's the important thing, folks. Faith comes from the Word and hearing, hearing the Word of God we know but faith must be built. And what happens is we're going about in our life. Life is busy. Things are going on. Stuff's, right? Stuff's happening. And you get busy and you get into a routine. All these, all right? That's the way life is. And these things come against you and you're caught off guard. And you, then you try to play catch up in building up your faith. And that's why God wants to remind us. And this is a great time for us to be reminded that he wants us to continually build up our faith and establish a strong faith so that when we come against some crisis, our first response is trust in him. Our first response is to believe his word. Our faith is already strong. We don't have to scurry around trying to read scripture, trying to pray real hard. And that's what happens. A lot of people, they hit some type of calamity or trouble and they go running to God and running for spiritual help. That's okay. Thank God he's merciful. 
But oftentimes that's not as effective. Certainly that's not the best way for us to work. We should be prepared before we encounter these things. People say, well, you can't prepare for everything. Well, in some sense that's true. But in another sense, that's not true. When you know his word and when you've built up your faith, you're prepared for anything. And that's the way the Lord wants us to be. But you know when we need to start? Before the crisis comes. So for some of them, say, well, it's too late <laughs> for this, this time. Well, then start where you are. Go ahead. get a stat- Confess this word of God. Stay in faith. Don't get carried away with your words or, or negativism or fear or panic. or Don't get, don't get into that. It will, take, uh, it will take you being proactive and for you purposely not to move that way because things around you will attempt to drag you that way. All right? So pray. Make preparations, physical and spiritual, so very important. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 through 9, the Bible says, Give all your worries and causes to God because he cares for you. In other words, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Verse 8, stay alert. Prepared. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. <clears throat> Feed your faith, not your fear. As actually, as Leanne and I were talking just a moment before the beginning of the worship service, there we were talking about this thing, even in our day right now, where there seems to be this. The most contagious thing in this nation right now is not a virus, but it's fear. That's the most contagious thing. And listen, this is an unnatural fear. All right, there's, I mean, there can be a certain level of fear that people have. But the level that this has gone to in recent days is unnatural, which leads me to believe that this thing is more than just a physical, this has a spiritual factor to it. This is driven by darkness and driven by the enemy. People are playing into it, but this is, this is happening. Now, I personally, I personally believe that this, uh, what's going on right now is relatively short-lived. And uh, whatever is ahead, you and I are called to walk by faith. Keep things in perspective Keep thinking, 24-7 news just will wear you out now. Add social media to that as a news, and it just, and people's comment, it will wear you out. You're going to have to separate yourself. I'm not saying, I mean, it's important to stay informed, that's fine, but don't let it consume you. Don't let it consume you. Keep things in perspective. From... I mean, even in facing sicknesses, from the Center for Disease Control gave figures that from last October to March, which is about five months, that 51, there were 51 million cases of flu and somewhere between 22,000, or the projected, that the, at that time they projected there'd be between 22,000 and 55,000 deaths from the flu. Keep things in perspective. 
this is a horrible thing that's happening right now, but keep things in perspective. We're continually in a day. I, I, I saw someone, and I really like this. I saw them came up with a statement that all this stuff's going around, and, and they said, someone asked the question, can we quarantine the media for 14 days? A crisis. And it's, as affected, it's affected everyone. I mean, with families, with schools, with work, with different things in our economy. Uh, it has snowballed, and it's affected so many. That's why we need to continue to pray and pray for deliverance and a fast turnaround here and for help for these folks that are facing extreme hardships right now. You know, you know that America has, you know that America is in crisis when sports are canceled. I mean, isn't that just truth? Now, I love sports, and a lot of our guys are involved in sports. But look, when you start canceling these things, somebody's, that just shows the power of fear and the power of, of things that are going on right now. Okay. I just want to mention here that, that when we talk about being prepared and how well are we prepared anytime anything comes against us that's unexpected, that uh, there's a swinging of the door on the hinge, that there's a turning point and something happens, catches us off guard, a crisis situation. I believe that what you're seeing right now, and by this situation we're going right now, I believe it's a precursor for some things that are ahead. I'll say, well, wonderful, Pastor. That's really great news. No, understand, for years now, we've been saying that we're living in the last days, that Jesus is coming soon. And we know in the last days, there are going to be some turbulent times. There's going to be a lot of crisis situations. And it's interesting that we've got this dose of this one that's caused such a reaction and response that it's kind of been a test that indicated, well, how well are you going to do if something else comes along or how well are you going to do in the future? Are you going to pray? Are you going to be prepared prayerfully? Are you going to be prepared in your faith? Are you going to be prepared spiritually? Are you going to be prepared as far as your immediate needs around your family? Are you going to be prepared in being able to help someone else? Are you going to be prepared? If this can call anybody off guard, then it's a good time to plan because there will be more, not of the same kind of stuff necessarily, but there will be more because we're living in those kinds of days, perilous times, dangerous times. And I think that what you see happening really is almost a, a, is almost a prophecy. It's almost like a prophetic sense is saying, look what you've seen happen. What did you do? How did you respond? You need to know right now that there's some stuff on out there in the future. How about getting prepared better for it, right? Does that make sense to you guys? That's what I, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do, be better prepared. So pray, be prepared. And then the third thing, the final thing, is just learn to be a worshiper. Praise. Learn the power of praise. Now, our words are extremely important. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. We know that. And how are we going to talk? What kind of words are we going to use? It's important for people to say, well, you know, that people struggle over the idea, is this thing from God or is this from the devil or is this what's going on? You know, the important aspect of this is that, 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 that God is good, the devil's bad, and always remember that. And also remember that what the devil 
does sometimes is because we've opened the door for him by allowing things to take place. We've given, we've given him place. The Bible says don't give any place to the enemy. Don't open the door. And, and also that whatever the devil means for harm, God can turn around in good if we will respond in the right way and in faith and believe and claim God's promises. So that's what's important for us to do. But in any situation, sickness or whatever, don't make the mistake of thanking God for it or praising God for it. We've said this before. I'll say it again. Don't praise God for a sickness. Praise God even though you're going through a sickness. Don't praise God for any type of handicap even though you're dealing with that. Don't praise him for it. His will for you was perfect health and strength. In the beginning, that's how created man. But stuff like that has come into the world, not because of any person's particular sin necessarily, but because there's sin in the world and because in the world system, there's evil and bad things happen sometimes to good people. Very unfair things. But it's important for us to give thanks to God in every situation because Praise is powerful, and it opens the way for God to bless you. And praise makes the enemy flee. So learn rather than complain or get caught over here in, in panic. Uh, learn when your crisis comes, learn to just worship him. You say, well, that just sounds kind of crazy. That is, that is a very difficult time to praise him. Well, it is, might be difficult, but it's also one of the most important times to go ahead and praise him. In the New Testament, it talks about making a sacrifice of praise. You don't have to feel like praising God in order to praise Him. Go ahead and praise Him anyway because He is God. Praise Him because of who He is. Praise Him for what He's done for you. So pray, prepare, and praise Him. Worship the Lord. Worship Him. It draws me to, uh, it causes me to remember, and we won't go to this, but in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is a story of, of the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat. And most of you remember the account to where the, uh, the enemies were coming against Judah, the nation of, of Judah. And there was thousands upon thousands of them. It was, uh, it was some of the nights, you know, it was the Moabites and Ammonites and Meunites. I said, I mean, go to Scripture and read. That's exactly what it says. And said, so these, these, these uh, people were coming against them. And it's thousands of people. And it says in the Scripture there in, in 2 Chronicles 20, it says that when word got to Jehoshaphat about that, he was stricken with terror. This is a man of God. He was fearful. And you know what it says right after that? He says, so I set myself or determined that I would seek the Lord for guidance. And when he set himself to do that, guess what happens? All the, it says all the people of Judah gathered together in one place to pray and seek the Lord. Let me tell you something. That's powerful. When the people of God gather together and seek the Lord, there's power in it. And that's what they did. That's what they did. And they just praised him. They just worshiped him. And as they did this, this was all, this was the whole family, all the families. As they did this, uh, then uh, Jehaziel, a prophet, the Holy Spirit came upon him, the word says. And he began to prophesy what the Lord would do in that situation. That God was the great, the great God. That he was all powerful. That all nations would bow to him and that they would be given the victory. And that made them happy. They were glad to hear that prophetic word from, Jehazi, uh, from Jehaziel. And and when they, when they heard that, they were worshiping, praising God. And then the next day, they're preparing to go out against the enemy. 
And the instru- you remember the instructions. The instructions are, all right, you're going to march on out against the enemy. They outnumber you. They outnumber you. And, you, and people are, have, had been afraid. But he said, let's go out. Here's how it was set up. Guess who he put on the front lines? The choir. He put the worship leaders on the front line to march out against the enemy and put the military behind. Now that's amazing. We thank God for the strength of military and for those who have dedicated themselves to that. I think it's awesome, the military here in the United States and what they've done. But here in this warfare mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 20, the principle was this battle is not yours. This battle belongs to the Lord. Keep that in context when you're facing a crisis. Look, it's important for us to do the things we know to do. Absolutely. But remember who's going to win this battle. Remember who is going to fight this battle for you. And so they went out. And basically, they didn't have to be involved in any warfare at all. They saw the power of God that caused the enemies to be confused and turn on one another. I've actually prayed that over situations in the world, that as enemies came against America, Lord, that those enemies would be turned on one another. And we've seen situations where that's happened. And they basically destroyed themselves, and there was great victory and rejoicing. But, but the instructions from the Lord after they sought him was, look, I'm going to fight your battles. I'm more powerful than any enemy that you face, so you just go ahead and praise me first. That's still a good word for us today. We can apply it right now. And, and actually, I think there's a connection between 2 Chronicles 20 and Psalm 48. I think there's a connection there. And actually, when you look at Psalm, uh, Psalm 46, as you look at Psalm 46, you see that it is written for, to be performed or sung by the choir, by the worship leaders, okay? And here's what it says. Verses 1 through 3 says, and this, remember in the Psalms, they're singing this. I don't necessarily, I won't do that. But they're singing this. They said, God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable, always ready to help us in times of trouble. Now let this stuff soak in. He's ever present. Verse 2, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. That's crisis situations. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble. As the waters surge. And then we're told how we're supposed to respond to crisis. Verse 10. Be still. And know that I'm God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. And he will. There's coming a day when every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Verse 11 says the Lord of hosts is with us. He is our stronghold. Our fortress. Can I just summarize that with this for close he says all these crisis situations are happening around here's what's important for you to do he says first be still anybody that's ever had children knows what it means knows what the words be still mean I mean how many times with our children have we said be still Sit still. Be still. Quiet. Don't talk. 
I mean, some of us probably have some indentations on our leg where our parents, you know, uh, got our attention. Be still. And normally that's what we think. I'd stay. Just stay in the same place. Don't move. Keep quiet. But in the Hebrew, the words be still literally mean let go. Like putting your arms down to your side. It means cease striving. Here's what it means. Relax. Oh, pastor, this is happening, and this is what the news said, and this is what's going on, this is what, and this, you know, we're hearing the name of every person that's contracting some kind of disease now, and all this stuff's going on, and it's horrible that it's happening, and we, and, and we're not, you know, one person getting sick is too many, we, or one death is, is too many, but we hear all this terrible news, and when any crisis comes along, and we hear all of these things coming against us, then, then things start to get stirred up on the inside of us and they move us one direction or another. And what we need to know, what we need to remember is that when you're when these things do come against you, learn to relax. That sounds ridiculous. I'm not talking about get, just getting in, I'm not talking about getting your recliner. Although that may be one aspect of it. I'm not opposed to recliners. <laughs> Right? It's a blessing from the Lord. You know, in the New Testament, when they met together to eat, they reclined. They didn't have, they didn't have, they didn't have chairs like we do. They reclined. So reclining is biblical. But when we're, talking about, when we're talking about relax here, this is simply saying, Lord, I trust you. I relax. I don't have to fight this battle just on my own. You fight my battles. I stand on your word, and you bring it to pass. So with all these things going on with a crisis, whatever crisis it is you're facing, whatever it is in your life and your family, learn to be still before the Lord and relax. The second thing, it says, be still and know that I'm God. And one of the best ways to face a crisis is for you to know him. You need to personally know the Lord. And you need to know who he is and what he's promised to you. Amen? So much we go into that. And the third thing is, it says in verse 11, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies is with us. When crisis comes, learn to relax. Make sure you know him and you know his word and you know his power and you know his provision. And finally, remember he's with you. He's with you. He's promised his presence. Trust him. Interesting verse, the last part of Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12, and we know there's different applications to this, but it says, don't live in dread of what frightens others. Don't live in dread of what's scaring other people. That's a pretty interesting word. We don't have to, folks. There should be something different about how a believer responds to, to, to Christ's situations. Our response should be different than the average in the person in the world. They should be able to see it in us. All right? They should be able to see how we're facing this. We're facing in confidence and faith and peace and even joy and praise. We're not worried. Taking 
good, important, common sense steps, of course. But hey, we're relaxing. We know who he is, and he's present with us. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, it, it says, it talks about that God will lay in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, precious cornerstone, sure foundation. And it says, whoever believes will not act hastily. That literally means whoever believes based their life upon this cornerstone will not be disturbed or will not panic or will not be shaken. Jesus said in three different gospels, he declared, it's declared that, that he says the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He was speaking of himself. Jesus is our cornerstone. Folks, there's some tragic things that have been happening, and there are still some more crises ahead in the years to come. We know that. But when you go through these things, this is a tremendous opportunity. Tremendous opportunity to deepen your faith and trust in God. And it's a tremendous opportunity to extend a tremendous witness for Christ because light shines brighter when the darkness gets greater. This is a time for the church to shine. This is a time for believers to be different. This is when time for believers to be an example of what it means to follow the Lord with confidence. This is an opportunity for spiritual awakening in this country. Humility, repentance, seeking God. Precautions to be taken, that's okay. But let me say this, this is no time for believers to run and hide. I like what A.W. Tozer said. He said, a scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. God, that's who we want to be. That's who we want to be. As a believer... Let's respond the right way, God's way, when these things come against us. Let's commit to that, all right? Amen. Let's stand. I want to pray over you before you go. Thank you for coming today. And not only with all the stuff that's been going on, but put rain on top of that. And here you are. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to worship and to be together to enjoy family. I pray your protection over every person in this building and over their families. We agree together, Lord, for protection and health over our families. And should the enemy try to tear us down or bring things upon us, Lord, we stand in faith and know, Lord, that you're the one who heals and restores. And Father, right now, I thank you for your provision in our lives that we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious about anything. But, Lord, we can pray, surrender to you, and know, Lord, know, Lord, that you're all we need, that you're our supply. We trust in you.